Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. First, let me just apologize for the voice. I've got a little allergy this morning, so bear with me today. Uh, but today we will dive into back into our series we've been in for a number of weeks now. What if Jesus was serious? Now we started this entire series by kind of asking the question, like, if Jesus was serious, then um, things would look really different for many of our lives. And we even kind of looked at the fact that sometimes as Christ followers, if you're a Christian today, you're a follower of Christ, you say, yeah, I've made a commitment to follow him. I'm his child. Um, sometimes we look around the world and we say, I wish more people would take him seriously. I think our world would look very differently. I don't think anybody would disagree with you on that. But we came to the conclusion early on that not only should we expect, if we're going to expect other people to take him seriously as Christ followers, we have to be willing to go first and say, hey, <laughs> before I expect anybody else to do this, I really need to take uh, some pretty big inventory of my own heart and see where I may be coming up short. And one of the most challenging places where Jesus taught things, where people down through the ages, through church history, right down to today, have said, this is really hard to take seriously, is his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. His longest, most famous sermon that stretches over three chapters in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And um, where Jesus is basically unpacking the idea that he's saying that I've come to bring this good news of the kingdom of God and that it is open, it is available now for everybody. And he starts the sermon in Matthew 5, just with these first eight statements, they've been called the Beatitudes, but they're essentially eight statements where Jesus is saying, let me tell you who God includes in his kingdom, like who he has invited into the kingdom. And this is shocking. He says people who are spiritually bankrupt, who got nothing to give God at all, and they're willing to admit that, right? Like not many people are willing to admit that, but he's saying those people are invited. People who are heartbroken. You know anybody's heartbroken? You ever been heartbroken? You ever been devastated emotionally from this life? Things that are going on in this life? You're invited. Um, those of you who are meek or you're humble, you've been humbled by life. Or some injustice has happened to you. Some unrighteousness has happened to you. If, but you're invited. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we looked at the fact uh, last week that... Um, He's invited all of us who are in need of mercy. Like, who would say, no, I don't need any mercy, right? Jesus is saying, you're all invited. And this week, we're going to turn our attention to the next phrase that he gives us, the next beatitude, where essentially he's saying, let me introduce it like this. Have you ever had somebody tell you a story where like, let me tell you something that God has been doing in my life? where I've seen God at work in my life. And they tell you this story, and you're like, wow, that's incredible. But deep down, you're thinking, I wish something like that would happen to me. Like, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen God at work in my life, or it feels like that. Or maybe some of you would be honest enough to say, I don't know that I've ever 
seeing God at work in my life or something that I would say only God could have done that, all right? So today, we're gonna look at this phrase, this incredible phrase where Jesus unpacks this idea of how can we take a step into the kind of life where we see God in our life. We get to actually witness him. We get to interact with him. And Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He says, blessed are the, let's say the highlighted words together, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, what on earth did Jesus mean? I think it's always good to start off with some definition of terms so that we all are on the same page and we don't just assume, oh yeah, I'm in church, I should know what that means. I don't really know what that means, all right? So let's start off with pure. It literally means clean, purified. Clear enough, right? Now we all can go with that. Heart, a little more complicated idea. Biblically speaking, how the heart was defined, both in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, Greek of the New, is this idea that it is the spiritual center of you. It is the, it's been described by some theologians as the executive center of the self. It is where you make your decisions, and as it's said, your decisions will make you. It is your choices. It is where your your desires and your wants reside. It is where your character resides. You're both your good character and the ugly side of your character that comes out sometimes, right? And that, that reflects what is actually on the inside of our hearts. As a matter of fact, Jesus even says in another place, he says that the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. In other words, pay attention to the stuff that comes out of your mouth. The stuff where you spew out anger, frustration, bitterness, whatever, that's giving you a little peek into some work you need to do between you and God. You might even need to do it, process it with a, a biblical counselor. You might even need to process this with somebody who's a mature believer, but you need to deal with that. It's, it's a way of revealing what's on the inside of your heart. Let me tell you what the heart doesn't refer to. It's not referring to an outward conformity to rules. For a long time, people thought, oh, this is what it means to really be pure and hard, like really be holy. That means you've checked all the boxes, right? You got it all, you know, you're, you're living, you're doing all the right things and it looks real good out here. But Jesus over and over reiterates this idea that I don't want a bunch of just rule followers. I want a bunch of people who actually love me and who actually are following me because they desire me. And because of the gratitude and the desire for God, it like overflows into our behavior. That's beautiful, and that's what he's after right there. So he's calling all of us into this purifying process. Whether you're a believer today or not, you need to know he wants you to come into his kingdom. He wants you into that kind of a relationship with him and you're gonna get an opportunity to do just that today. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know that Jesus promises if we will surrender to God's purifying process in our life, we will see God in ways we have never seen him before. But it will not come without this purifying process. It's, they, they go together. So let's ask a really important question. How does God purify us? 
Well, first and foremost, the way the, the relationship begins is accepting a gift, the gift of salvation that's given to us through Jesus, the Son of God, that he has offered to us. This is why he came to earth. For this reason I have come, that they might have life. He's come to offer eternal life to the world. And the way we receive that eternal life is through receiving the forgiveness that only Jesus can give us and by following him as the Lord of our life. It's very simply put. It's receiving forgiveness and following him as Lord. But after we begin that process, and many of you may say, okay, I'm already in that, that place spiritually, there starts what is uh, called by theologians sanctification. It is this it is this purifying process where God is beginning to grow us in holiness. He's growing us into his likeness. And that process is the where he wants all of us to intentionally be throughout the rest of our time here on this earth. And it happens one of two ways. Biblically speaking, there are two categories that we're given for this purifying process. Here's the first one. We are purified through fire. Okay, that doesn't sound like fun, does it? Well, let me explain what I mean by that. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, between God and his people, Israel, there was a big season of time where the Israelites continued to rebel against God and they worshiped idols and they gave their hearts and their affections to God and he, even, he, he, he treated it like they were cheating on him, that they had, they had broken his heart and he, he kept telling them, to return to me, return to me, come back to me. And if you do not, then I am going to use fire. I am going to use difficulty to begin to refine you and bring you back to me. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10, the prophet Isaiah, God speaks through him to his people, and in one verse, this is so powerful, he says, I tested you in, let's say it together, in hard times, just as silver is refined in a heated furnace. He's like, I'm going to have those Babylonians come over here, and they're going to conquer you, capture you, and cart you off into exile for 70 some odd years, right? I'm not doing this because it brings joy to my heart. It's because this is the only thing that you, will get your attention, and this is what he does. And he uses this beautiful analogy. I believe God still does this in many different forms in our life right down to today. He's saying, just like a refiner would take silver and put it inside of a crucible, this, this container that could stand the heat, right? Put the silver, maybe let's say silver rings and, and trinkets and down in there, and then they superheat it with fire and it turns that metal into liquid. And when it does, something really creative and crazy happens when that metal, that silver is superheated, it causes it to separate. This is what heat does. Heat will cause the purity of the silver to give up all the impurities in it, and it will begin to come to the surface, and it can be skimmed away. And you take that silver, and you take it out, and as it cools, the surface of it's gonna look like dark gray. You're like, this doesn't look nice at all. But then you polish all that off and it becomes much purer. It's this beautiful, brilliant silver. And then the refiner will do this again 
And again, each time, skimming away and polishing off the impurities. But it's the fire that will cause the separation. But without the fire and the separation, there is no purifying of the process, right? But it is through the hard times of life that over those times, one after another, that the refiner will begin to polish that silver surface and over time, it will begin to look like like a mirror, like the surface of a mirror. He'll begin to see his own image in the silver. He'll begin to see his own reflection in that silver, but it only comes through the refining and purifying process. We are all in some level I have to believe people in this room right now are going through some hard times right now. Many of you are, right? This is God. I want you to begin to have a new filter for how to understand what you're going through right now. That God is purposeful. It is intentional. It is beautiful how he's going to begin to let himself be seen in your life. A reflection, his image, his reflection will begin to be clearer and clearer through the hard times of life like he will never do through the great, I mean, the great times are wonderful, aren't they? But it's the hard times that he begins to show his reflection in our lives. And it is a high time for us to begin to say, God, I'm open for it. I'm here for it. I will receive that. I will uh, help me to begin to to let your, your image be seen through me through this hard time. And here's what's even more beautiful, people. And you will, you will be astounded when this happens because you almost can't believe it. You will have, as you go through hard times, and God's reflection will begin to begin more, more and more clear in your life, you'll have people come up to you and say, I've been watching you. I know what you're going through right now. I can't believe how I can see God in you. I can't believe it. How are you able to do this? How are you able to maintain through such hard times? An incredible open door for you to be able to say, let me tell you how I'm able to trust. There's a refining process going on right now, and I trust him. I trust him. First, we're purified through fire. Secondly, we're purified through pruning or trimming. When I was a kid growing up in in Central Texas, my dad uh, got me out and taught me how to prune trees. We had some property, had a lot of live oaks on them. As a matter of fact, you may have noticed all of our live oaks here at Brad's Fellowship just got a pruning. Some of you are like, I can't even park into this thing anymore, you know? And so, Thankfully, we've got those trees. Um, they're, they're looking much better right now. So, but growing up, I remember my dad teaching me how to prune a tree. And we had, our, our rules were pretty simple. I mean, my dad was not a, an arborist, but he said, okay, first thing we're looking for is that the limb is encroaching upon the house. Like if it's over the roof line or it looks like, hey, if that thing broke, it's gonna fall right on the roof line. We gotta, we gotta trim that before storm season, you know, going into the fall. We got we to gotta prepare so that this doesn't hurt the house. And then the second thing, he says, we're also looking for dead wood or a limb that looks like it's starting to die. There's like big chunks of it that the leaves are falling off. It looks like it's clearly dead. It's crispy. Like you, you need to re- get rid of it. 
Or if it's diseased, it's got fungus or something growing on it that could encroach on the tree and hurt it. Or it's got limbs going straight to the ground. Like you just, we, we begin to trim and prune away all these things. And I, I got this verified from an actual arborist recently that when you prune back a tree like that, it sends a signal back to the trunk of the tree to, um, to spur new life to send new resources to the canopy that is left to make it fuller. It will actually um, kind of incentivize or activate new life and new growth in the remaining branches, which is really beautiful, really kind of cool. And Jesus talked about this very, um, the idea of God pruning our life over in John chapter 15, starting with verse one through four, where Jesus is gonna show us a parallel, once again, beautiful parallel of how our life works and how God is about pruning our life. So let's read the highlighted words together. He says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking, he's the vine. My father is the gardener. So God's the one who's gonna do the cutting. He cuts away every branch so Jesus is already showing us he's, he's the vine, Father's the gardener, we're the branches, right? <clears throat> he's going to cut away every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. But he trims clean every branch that does produce fruit so that, and here's why, here's why he's, he's cutting it back, so that it will produce even more fruit. He wants you to be able to reach your greatest spiritual potential. If you have some water, let's enjoy that together right now. <laughs> Got to pace myself or I'll lose this voice. Okay. So yes, he's telling, he's showing us here, listen, <clears throat> I want you to see that God is intentional about cutting away. There are going to be some times where you're going to have to give up and release and surrender certain things to him. He's, he wants to sever it. And we want to fight him over it sometimes. He goes on to say this in the next couple of verses. He says, you are already clean because of what I, I've said to you. In other words, my words, this is so powerful. Jesus is saying my words in, in multiple places in scripture where he talks about the metaphor of the word of God is like a two-edged sword. The picture we have of revelation of Jesus when he returns. He has a sword coming out of his mouth, right? That he, uh, when, we're, when we're given the, uh, the uh, spiritual armor, the word of God is a what? It's a, it's a sword. It's a sword. It, this is a constant metaphor. A sword is this cutting agent, right? It is a tool. It is an instrument, a very small sword could be, we could say, is a scalpel. This is what, when, when, you, when you know what you're cutting, when you're doing it intentionally, it can save a life, right? We have to trust God that he is using his word as his double-edged sword, that he's going to, you're going to come across things in the Bible. You're going to come across things from a teaching like this where you go, oh, dang, I need to change the way I live. I need to make some changes to my life. It is obvious God is saying, I want you to give me that. I want to prune that off of you. I want to trim that off of your life. And we're going to want to fight him, but we need to trust him. 
He says, and he, and he talks about, this is a relationship, right? This is a relationship. You stay joined to me, and I will stay joined to you, just as the branch cannot produce fruit unless it is, stays joined to the vine. I love this beautiful metaphor. This is your life-giving source. I am. Your, I'm inviting you into this life-giving relationship, but that relationship will require some pruning. You will have to say goodbye to some things. You're gonna have to give up some things. Not so that God can be the killjoy in your life and take away your, no! So he can free you. It's, it's just like when you're a little child, you see them wanting to reach for a hot pan and you slap their hand away. You're not trying to be mean, you're trying to help them. It's the same reason you would train them on how to brush their teeth and go to the bathroom by themselves. A process that they're not gonna like when you do it, right? But you do it because you love them. You wanna set them up well for what you know is coming in the future, but they don't see it. We are the same way with the Lord. There is this beautiful joint relationship that he's trying to free us through the pruning process, that we stay joined to the vine. You cannot produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. Without me, you can do nothing. You cannot produce fruit without me. For branches to produce fruit, they must be pruned, Jesus is saying. If you want to be a part of this purifying process, you've got to let God help you to let go of some things in your life that have been holding you back, that are very hard. Maybe a, it's a habit that you've had. Maybe you're just quick to anger. Stuff come flying out of your mouth, and you're like, I gotta stop that. I gotta stop treating people like that. I can't act like that anymore. That's not right. That's not fair. It's not their fault, you know? It's, it's taking a moment to say, God, I want to honor you. I want to do what you're telling me to do. But we got to let go of some dead wood, right? You remember back in the 90s? I know 90s stuff is all kind of coming back right now, right? Back in the 90s, um, I remember everybody used to go down to Hobby Lobby or somewhere. And I, not, this is not a knock against Hobby Lobby. I love, we go down there all the time, all right? But we would buy those ficus trees that weren't even alive. They were dead. You remember that? We would decorate our apartments. Back then it was apartment, right? We were all starting out. But uh, apartment or our office with these dead ficus trees, right? And they, so like, they're supposed to fool people into believing that's a real tree over there. And uh, you pay more for the ones that look more real. But nobody really does that anymore. And I love it because this is sort of like, Jesus showing us God doesn't decorate with dead ficus, all right? He's like, I want to use the good stuff, right? But you got to peel your little fingers off of the dead wood. Let me get it out of here and let me bring in something that's life-giving, something that's truly alive, that is of me. But you got to be willing to surrender to the process. So how will this process change you and I spiritually? This is such an important question. Well, a couple of different things that Jesus unpacks for us here in Matthew, uh, pardon me, yeah, John chapter 15. First thing he says is that God will add power to your prayers. A couple of verses later, verse seven, <clears throat> Jesus says this, and if you would, let's read the highlighted words together. He says, stay joined to me. So there's that relationship. He's always about the relationship. 
I'm never sending you out to do something solo. I am always, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm always, always, always there. Don't you ever forget it. Now, sometimes your emotions will lie to you and say, no, he's not there, but he is there. He says, don't, don't ever believe that lie. That is a lie. He says, stay joined to me and let my teachings, there's his word once again, his, his commands, teachings become part of you. Like his teaching and him become a part of your identity now. It is the most dominant part of your identity. Before you identify as anything else in this world, you identify as a child of the, of the mighty, all-living God. You are his child. You are a son or daughter of the most high God. You are a Christ-following person before anything else. Then you can pray for whatever you, let's say it together, whatever you want. This, this next phrase is gonna blow your mind. Okay, so let's, let's go back to our definition of heart for a minute. Remember that it is the place where your wants and your desires reside. It is the spiritual center of your life. And when your heart is connected, inseparably linked to Jesus, it will change what your heart wants. You will want different things. In the Old Testament, David says that um, you delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I used to think, oh, that's awesome. Like the closer I get to God, then he's gonna finally give me that sports car I've always wanted, <laughs> right? Yay! That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, hey, listen, there's some things you want that you need to not want. There's some things that I know you think would make your life so complete, but actually, it's dead wood. It's no good to you. And as the, you get closer to me, I'm going to give you new desires. I'm going to give you new wants. I'm going to change your heart. I don't want just a bunch of rule followers, once again. Conformity to rules is not what the purity he's after. He wants people that actually say, I love you, Jesus, and I will follow you no matter what. That's what he's looking for. But that doesn't come through giving us everything we want, as it turns out. That's just a bunch of spoiled kids, right? He's learned this the hard way, like people have always done it that way. So he's saying, listen, then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be, let's say it together, nice with some gusto, will be answered. It will be answered, that's right. He will answer those prayers because now you are praying in conjunction with his will. You are praying with a heart that wants what he wants. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the answer that you wanted or the, and the answer that you thought was best is always going to be the answer that he gives. Sometimes he may say, wait, when you're saying, no, let's go, God, let's go. Or he may say, it's time to go, when you say, let's wait, let's wait. Or he may say, no, I'm not going to let you have that relationship because I have a better one for you. I'm not going to let you out of that relationship because I'm going to make it into something you never dreamed it could be. I'm going to help you, but it's going to, you have to remain in me. You've got to trust and you've got to follow. I love that. It's beautiful. 
Now, this may, for some of you, go, oh, maybe that's why I don't really see God answer my prayers. Maybe that's why I feel so distant from God. Am I really joined to Him? Am I really taking His, seri- his teaching seriously? Is it really become a part of my life? It's part of me. Like, I live, this isn't just something I believe. This is who I am. You see, there's a difference. There's a big difference between it's my identity. It is who, at the core of my soul, this is what defines me as a human being. This is what Jesus came to convert. Not just do-gooders, not just people who behave themselves well, Behavior should be an overflow of what he's doing in the heart, absolutely. So he's gonna bring power to your prayers. Number two, that God will add joy to your life. When we get to verses 10 and 11, I love how Jesus lays it out. He says, and when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. He's saying, I've been setting you an example here. And once again, it comes back to his teaching, his word, his commandments. These are all been used interchangeably by Jesus. And he says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Let's say it again with a little bit more joy, okay? So you will be filled with my joy. All right. Yes, your will, it will overflow. That's right. Jesus isn't saying, oh, I'm not going to just let you eat by with just enough joy. I'd like it to over, I want to give you enough that you got more extra for others. It can overflow and spill into and be contagious and infectious to other people in a really good way. I want to use your life to show forth joy to those around you. And I want you to be a light when you're going through hard times where people will say, how do you do it? And you say, because of the one I'm connected to. And let me share with you how you can know him too. And as you obey, you're going to begin to let go of that dead wood that's been holding you back and God will replace it with joy over and over again. It's beautiful. Let me tell you one of the greatest illustrations of somebody who had been through a hard time, a time of pruning in the Bible. A man by the name of Job, I'm sure you've heard of him, one of the oldest books in the Bible. Job, through a series of horrible things that have happened to him, he loses all of his children. He loses his health. His wife turns her back on him and says, you know what? you should just curse God and die. Thanks, honey. That's some great advice. It's time. All of his friends turned their back on him. And through the middle of this dark valley that he's going through, he trusts God anyway. He says, God, I will trust you no matter what. I'm going to walk with you because I believe you've got something better out the other end of this. And I love at the very end of the book of Job, chapter 42, verse five, and this is right in the middle of this beautiful prayer where Job is sort of encapsulating all that God had taught him through this horrible ordeal. And he says this, he's talking to God, he says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have, let's say together, I have seen you with my own eyes. Blessed 
are the pure in spirit, pure in heart, for they will see God. He says, I will, I've seen you. And maybe you're a person who would say, yeah, I've heard a lot about God. Been in and out of churches my whole life, Bible studies, done all the stuff. But I, I don't know if I really say that I've seen him. But he wants you to see him. He's available for you to see him. And I just want to encourage you today that you would be willing to begin to see every trial that you go through in your life as an opportunity to see God in a way you've never seen God before. And that when you're in the middle of it, that you would be willing to resist the temptation to give up, to get discouraged, to walk away, say, forget it, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And let me tell you, it starts with our prayers. Even something as simple as a prayer, that you would let your prayers shift from why me to God use me. Why me is still focused on me. It's all about me. It's about what I want. It's forgetting who I'm connected to, who my life source is. Use me is God isn't done here. He has a tomorrow and a future and a culmination and a conclusion. He's working this thing towards, and I don't want to miss it. And I'm going to be a part of it. No matter what, I'm going to choose to continue to stay connected to the vine I'm going to go through the hard time, through the fire, and I'm going to keep trusting God. And he will show himself to be so powerfully real. You see, if Jesus was serious, when we surrender to the purifying process, we will see God. You will. So what are you going through today? Is it a hard time? Is it, has the heat been turned up? Are there things that are being pulled away from you, severed from you, relationships? What is it that God is saying, listen, it's time for you to surrender that to me. Let it go. It's dead wood to you, sweetheart. Buddy, give it to me. Surrender it to me. I know it's gonna be hard, but I'll get you through this. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I am your power source through this. Trust me, trust me. I want to encourage you right now. We're about to have a moment of prayer. But in this time of prayer, would you be willing to go before Jesus and just say, please use these trials I'm going through to draw me closer and closer to you so that I might be able to see you, God. That I might be able to see you. Please, God. And for some of you, the first step in this process is to begin that relationship with Jesus. If you'd be real honest with yourself, you'd say, I think part of the reason that I haven't been seeing God, that I haven't been living, I'm not connected, I'm not joined to him and he's joined to me, is because I don't really have an intimate relationship with him. Like I go to church and I do a lot of religious stuff and I try to do, I'm trying to be a good person and I'm, that's not how you do it. It's coming to say, Jesus, our heart is open wide to you I'm asking you to come into my life and forgive my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you. I trust you. That's where it begins.
And that's where every day begins. And that's where every day is going. That he leads you to trust him. Would you be willing today to just be willing to do that? Right here, right now. Some of you came in here carrying some heavy, heavy stuff. God never intended for you to carry that alone. Would you open your heart up to him? I'm open to the purifying process. I want to see you, God. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, we thank you for your love. I thank you so much that right now, all across this room, God, you're speaking to people's hearts about the hard things they're going through. Would you just tell him right now, Lord, here's the fire, here's the pruning I'm going through right now. Tell him about it. And we're telling him not because he didn't know, because it does our heart good to confess to the Lord. To confess to the Lord begins the healing process. If you would just tell him right now, Jesus, my heart is breaking over this. It's been so hard. I don't know how long it's going to last, but God, use me. Use me. Would you tell him that? Would you have the courage right now just to say, use me? If you're asking the Lord right now to use you in the middle of your furnace moment, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you right now. Anybody here? God, I pray for every person in this room saying, being honest enough, hands in the floor, some in the balcony. God, right now, I pray you would use this difficult season this purifying process that I'm going through. I want to see you. I trust you. I trust you more now than I ever have. God, help me to take steps towards trusting you. And then I would take your word seriously, daily. It is my daily bread. We give it to you right now, Lord. We give it to you. You are our power source. You are the vine. We are the branches. Feel free to prune away so that we may bear more fruit to reach the greatest spiritual potential you've put in us. You may lower your hands. And God, I pray right now for any person who can hear my voice online, here in person, right now, God, that would honestly say, I want to know this God I don't want to put it off another day. Would you just pray right where you sit? Lord Jesus, I give you my heart right now. All of me. I'm not going to pretend anymore. I'm, I'm done with that. I don't want to play church. I don't want to play like. I want to be, I want to actually be your child. There's a huge difference. Would you right where you sit, just say, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. Forgive my sin and be the Lord of my life from this moment right here forward. And if you just gave your life, your heart to Jesus, asking him to forgive and to be your Lord, would you just raise your hand right now saying, Will, that's me. I'm surrendering. God bless you right over here. Anybody else? The balcony and the floor. 
Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. Right back here, I see that hand. Right over here, ma'am, I see your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Balcony. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. I pray, God, that you would draw us ever closer to you and that we would trust you through the hard times. We would let your refining and pruning work do its beautiful, beautiful work in us. Even though it is difficult, it is hard in the time, its result will bring a harvest of righteousness if we will not give up. We love you. We praise you, Jesus. And we pray that you'd help us to stay on this path, continue to take you seriously, walk with you every day, and let you be our life-giving source every single day so that we might overflow with your joy so the world around us can see you through us. In Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. See you next weekend. Have a great week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.